friends, welcome to Buddy Time Podcast. I am Sin. Each week, me and my two buddies, Victor and Name, we gather to discuss and share our thoughts on different topics that relate to young adults in Thailand. You'll hear interesting real-life stories and experiences that may inspire you and enrich your life. So join us for some chats. This is a Buddy Time Podcast from Me Goody of Buddy Up. Hello, friends. It's me, Sin. Today, me and my buddy Name, we will be talking on a very interesting topic. It is a fun psychological game designed by a Japanese professor to discover ourselves. This fun psychology game test is called Cocology. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before. So, according to the definition of the book, Cocology is a series of psychological games designed to uncover emotional and behavioral traits of the players. It's also a popular term for the interpretation of the hidden meanings of human behavior and situational responses. So, name. Have you ever heard of Cocology before, or? Have you tried any other types of psychological tests before? Well, I've heard of the ideas about this, but not the the actual term "cocoro." And of course, I'm so into this kind of quizzes. Like I take this kind of quizzes so often because I'm all I'm all about you know uncovering and understanding about myself, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah, actually, I used to be quite into this kind of test as well, but. I think majority of the tests that I've seen before are quite like you know serious or boring in a way I would say. But this one for cocology, they specifically design it into like a game kind of style. So hopefully this will be a bit more interesting and fun while we are trying out these tests. So for cocology. It's very simple and fun. It's a game where people would imagine themselves in everyday situations and unusual scenarios, and then respond to these simple questions. So the answer will be interpreted from a psychological perspective and tell us something about the way that person's mind works. So I'm going to pick a few questions and ask you. So be prepared to expose some hidden part of yourself. Name, are you ready for that? Can't wait. <laughs> yes. All right. Don't worry, name. I will still love you even if you expose some hidden, scary part of yourself. Also, maybe as you listen to us, I mean our dear listeners, join us into this game. Try to answer these questions too. I am excited to begin. So. The first scenario and question. So I will read out this scenario. Okay, listen carefully. It isn't every day that you have the time to take the leisurely stroll around the neighborhood, a stroll without purpose or destination, a chance to stretch the legs, let the mind wander, and get reacquainted with some old familiar sights. On your way, perhaps you would stop. In a cozy coffee shop, explore the path of a favorite park, or take the opportunity to do some window shopping. Then 
there are those days when it's enough just to let your feet decide your course. So now, picture yourself on a stroll through town. The day is beautiful, and you are half lost in a daydream. You turn onto a street that you've never been down before, and as you walk, you pass a beautiful house set somewhat back from the street. Pausing for a moment to admire this lovely home, you notice the door is half open. The question is, why is the door open? The option would be number one, the house is being burglarized. So the house, somebody got into the house to steal something. The second choice is the owner forgot to close it. The third choice is the owner is inside, sweeping out the entrance way. So, which one would you pick? So I'll go with the third one. Okay, so you choose the third one. The owner is inside, sweeping out the entrance way. So. Let's take a look at the explanation of this. So, according to the book, doors have a twofold significance. They may be passageways, but they can be barriers as well. So, in particular, the front door of a house represents its first line of defense, all that stands between its inhabitants and the uncertainties of the world outside. By imagining as open a door that should normally be closed, you envision a scenario of vulnerability and exposure. So, on a subconscious level, the reason you imagine for the door being open is linked to the ways that you leave yourself open and expose your own weaknesses to others. So that's the meaning of the door. Okay, so. Your choice is the owner is inside, sweeping out the entranceway. So that means you may appear to be a laid-back sort, but you never let your guard down. Achieving that constant state of relaxed alertness is what has made you into a mature individual. You are, of course, you still have your human weaknesses. You just don't put them on display for all the world to see. So, what do you think of this explanation of yourself? It's it's kind of um, consistent with who I think I am because, like, I could be a little, I could be open to my friends, but at the same time, I'm also like super conscious with myself. But I'm a little bit curious because at first I was contemplating between two choices, which is like you know, um, forgetting to close the door and the the owner's inside. But in the end, I choose the owner's inside because I feel like the owner's inside, and then he, the owner's just forget to close the door. So I'm a little bit curious about the the explanation to their second choice. Well, actually, I experienced very similar situation like yours. Like first, I was choosing between. Option two and three, and then in the end, I kind of go for option two, which is the owner forgot to close it. And according to to the book, it says that so for those who choose option number two, the owner forgot to close it. It means that 
you are not the type to get carried away in crisis situations. And on the contrary, you are so relaxed that you may not notice a crisis is occurring at all. The mistakes you make are caused more by oversight than bad intentions, but the end results for you and the other people around you are the same. So, what what do you think? Like between option two and option three, I think I resonate more with option three. But when you said you chose option two, I kind of agree with that because I feel like you're a very super calm person. Like you always have like yourself together. So I was like, oh, this is actually true. <laughs> actually, I'm not really sure if I can resonate with option two. To some extent, I do agree with it that. I could be pretty chill in situations, you know. Yeah, but I guess I I I just don't know myself that much, and I kind of see this explanation as a positive explanation, you know. But then actually, if you look look into it, there is also a bit of negative explanation where basically it's telling me that sometimes maybe I can be too relaxed that. I don't realize that something is going to happen. So maybe that is something that I have to look into myself, and maybe I should try to, I don't know, be more alert or more aware to the situation. And what about option one? Yeah. So for option one, the house is being burglarized. So it means that you instantly assume the worst in any situation. And this trait is nowhere more evident than when things actually do go wrong. You never get flustered in a crisis, but only because you're much too busy panicking. So the next time disaster strikes, it's important to keep a clear head and remember to take a few deep breaths first and count to ten. Then you can faint. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I like about these tests because all all three answers they have both um good side and bad side to it. And even if you feel like this might not be true about you, but then it actually give you like, like some kind of signal to actually step back and look into yourself whether if this is really how you react to certain situations. And well, at least you would know which. Point or which aspects you should improve or work on. Yeah, and actually, this kind of test, well, they are trying to discover our hidden self, right? So I think usually we don't even recognize the deepest part of ourselves, and maybe by taking this kind of test, it somehow help us reveal. A part of ourselves, like the part that we never thought we were. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting way to know more about yourself. Okay, so let's try another one. This one also seems easy and fun. It's about cat. Oh, I love cat. Yes, me too. Okay, so the scenario is a dog may be man's best friend, but a cat always seems to be its Own best friend, you may love them or hate them, but cats have shared as long a history with us humans as any species of animal on Earth, and it's safe to say that they will be around for ages to come. 
It's not that cats actually do much for people. They cannot fetch the newspaper, shake hands, or play frisbee. Or perhaps it's just that they choose not to. But their cool indifference, quiet pride, and utter impenetrability seem to justify them a place in our world, regardless. So we all have our individual perceptions about the cat. Which of the following four phrases strikes closest to the image you hold? So you get this the question right. You have to choose what you think of a cat is to you. Number one, basking in the sun. So the cat is basically doing sun tanning under the sun. <laughs> yeah, and second, mysterious and inscrutable. So it's mysterious and unreadable. Yeah. So third choice is pleasantly soft to touch. Fourth, being a companionless creature. Well, I'll just go with number two. I have to say, we choose the same answer for this question. Yeah, I find it like that's like the perfect way to describe a cat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So an explanation for this is in Zhangjun psychology. Sorry if I pronounce his name wrong. Is spelled as J U N G I A N. So I think some people pronounce it as Yongyang. I don't know. Like so. Anyway, in this Zhangjun psychology, the cat is a representative of the feminine principle known as the anima, or your true inner self, as opposed to the social role you play. The description you selected as applying best to cats reveals the nature of your own true self, in its positive and negative aspects. Okay, so with the choice we both choose, mysterious and unreadable, we instinctively chose to describe the cat in terms of its personality, almost as if it were human, and. The attributes of the cat's character that drew our attention are precisely the ones we share with it. Our true inner self is a kaleidoscope, changing and renewing itself constantly. This makes predicting your behavior an endlessly intriguing challenge to the people who love you, but it can also make you seem like more trouble than you're worth. To those without the time or inclination to ponder riddles and enigmas, so basically this means that we're the kind of people who may be hard to understand because we constantly changing ourselves, just like the book compare us to the kaleidoscope. So if if you know the toy kaleidoscope, every time if you turn around the toy, the images changes. So I think, yeah, the explanation is trying to tell us that we are constantly changing, and sometimes could be hard to understand. So maybe for some of our friends, it would be a bit challenging for them to to understand us, but in a in a fun way, they can try to you know understand us. But for those who who are a bit hot temper and doesn't. Have the time to, you know, learn about us. They would be like, "Ah,、uh, you're too difficult to understand." And then 
you are always changing. I don't have the time to understand you. Yeah, and well, comparing ourselves to a kaleidoscope makes me feel beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know all the images that you see through the kaleidoscope are very vibrant and pretty, and it's always changing. And well, this is this is kind of um. Compatible to another um personality traits or theory that I used to read about, you know the MBTI. Um, yeah, I I I am I am actually an INFJ, which is like, according to people, this is like the weirdest or the strangest um uh traits, and. Like to put it in a simple way, is that among the emotional people, I am the unemotional one. But among the unemotional people, I am the most emotional one. And like I myself sometimes can't even understand myself because I feel like I keep changing. So I find this very interesting. You know one thing about psychological tests about our personality. I think, I think we had this talk sometime before, and then you mentioned something that it changes. The answer changes over time because we experience something new, and then that new experience might change us again. So, can I say that the way we are like constantly changing is also because we. Absorb things more often, and maybe we process them more often. Like I'm not saying that the other people don't process things and gain experiences. I'm I'm just trying to say that maybe for us, we tend to change more frequently because we 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 don't stick to just one situation or or one idea. If I can say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very normal for people to change because you know, um, time changes, our environment changes. We move to a new place, we meet new people. So obviously, we 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 would change according to the environment that we get exposed to. But the amount of change or the rate of change could differ from one person to person. If I would take this as a positive kind of description, I think. In the world today, being able to change constantly isn't it a good thing? Like because we like one of our previous episode, we mentioned that one of the skills that employers look for is be flexible and be able to respond to different situations and scenarios. Doesn't this sound like we are able to cope with new changes more easily? Well, I think it can, like depending on how how you look at it, like it has both pros and cons. I mean, changing um constantly is good if it's like changing for the better, like changing to become like a better version of yourself. But if you just like change like constantly because of like peer pressure or, you know, like something like that, maybe there might be some downside to it. Yeah, still we have to balance the amount. Of changing, yeah. I think everything needs to be balanced, but it's a good thing to know. Like, oh, I might have this like tendency to be like this. So, 
yeah, it's just something to keep us grounded. So for the explanation of number one, which is basking in the sun, so this means that you show a sensitivity toward the natural actions of things within their environments. This makes you an accepting and easily acceptable person, capable of getting along well with everyone you meet. So basically, this means people perceive you as someone comfortable and in almost any situation. This sounds like an easygoing person to me, right? And moving on to option three, which is pleasantly soft to touch. Actually, this explanation is a little bit deep. How how did you understand this name? Can you help me to explain a little? Yeah, so reading at the explanation, I kind of agree to you that this could be quite deep. But from my understanding, well, it says people choosing this option, they see the world as something created to stimulate and serve them. So because they see the world as something that is created for them, well, they they could be very like assured, or it could be that. They would be very involved in something, like excessively involved in something, because they see things that as something created for them. But for them to be very assured or very involved in any, in anything, they have to first realize that first, or else they could be just, you know, disinterested in in those things. I think in a way, this explanation shows how complicated each personality. Could be like for you, it might be a, just a very simple, easygoing person, and whereas for another person, it can be this. I don't know. Like even the explanation itself sounds complicated already. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite complicated. Yeah, I would love to hear if any of our friends chose number three, pleasantly soft to touch, and then maybe you can explain to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe it sounds hard for us to understand because we we don't we didn't choose that answer. Maybe for those who choose this answer, they might get it right away. You know, like after reading, like a few sentences, they, was, they would they might be like, "Ah, this is me." But for us, like we 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 can't really relate to that because we didn't. This is not like like in our choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, this is the fun thing about this. Cocology game, so it was also designed to let friends play along, so we also get to understand each other. And for the last choice, which is a companionless creature, basically this means that you are most deeply attuned to the emotional and social realms, making you appear caring, warm, and genuinely concerned about others. But it can also make you seem somewhat overly sensitive and melodramatic when you give full expression to your feelings. So, in short, can we say this type of person is more dramatic? Sorry if it sounded rude. <laughs> Maybe sensitive and empathetic. Ah, yeah. You know, I almost go with that choice. <laughs> so how so if you almost went with that choice, how much do you relate yourself after reading this? I think 
you know the sensitive part and melodramatic like i can be a little bit me- like dramatic at times but not very dramatic like i don't really show it out but i just kept it inside and suppress it and it's not to the level of the drama that i have like it's not to the to the level that you know i have to let it out yeah so maybe that's why in the end i go with the other choice Let's try another one then. This one seems interesting. The scenario is about us traveling on a subway. Okay, so most of us approach a ride on the subway with a mixture of fascination and dread. They are crowded, they are noisy, and they are not famous for their safety or hygiene. But there is something about subways that makes them an integral part of the urban experience. So. You're riding on a crowded subway when you see that a single seat has opened up nearby. You are just about to sit down when you notice another person has also begun moving toward the same empty seat. What do you do? Sorry if I read this in a very boring way. I'm trying to read it. As interesting as possible, yeah. So please bear with me. So anyway, so the situation is you're on a subway and then you see there is an empty seat. So what will you do? First, take the seat, of course. Second, hesitate and look around before doing anything. Third, let the other person have the seat. Four, move to another car. Which one will you choose? So um, I'm about to take a seat, but then I see that the other person is also going to take the seat, right? Yeah, like moving towards the seat. Yeah, at the same time, I think I would just let the other person have the seat. Why do we always pick the same answers? <laughs> oh, with this. Trying to avoid conflict. <laughs> I I just realized. Oh, with this similar in terms of personality because. From what I know, I think we are quite different in some part. You know, maybe for the other quizzes, our answer might be like ex- like so different, like extremely different. It's nice to know. So okay, so the explanation of this subway scenario, okay, it may not be the most glamorous way to go, and you cannot expect much of the view. But sometimes a trip on the subway. Is the only way to get where you're going. In that sense, subways are a lot like blind dates, and in both situations, it isn't always easy to change course once you've started heading down the wrong track. The way you saw yourself confronting the problem of taking the seat corresponds to the way you would act when you wanted to turn down a second date. After a friend had gone to the trouble of introducing you to someone they just know would be perfect for you, right? So we both chose let the other person have the seat, and I have to say, the explanation is um, I I can't say I like it, but I was somewhat agree to it. So for those who choose let the other person have the seat, it means that. You worry too much about what other people think, and in wanting to look good, you end up acceding to the wishes of others. 
People praise you as being extremely easy to live with, but if you don't stand up for yourself once in a while, you could be in for a very long trip down a very dark tunnel, stuck with someone who's only too happy to let you stand the whole way. It sounds like we will just, you know, agree to we're people pleaser. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to see myself in that way, you know. Me too, but I I kind of know that I'm a people pleaser sometimes, and I'm working on you know, like learning ways to say no. You know, after I after I read this, I'm trying to reflect on myself. Am I really a people pleaser? Because there are times that I think I have my own opinions, and I don't think I please everyone. But sometimes I just try to be polite to them. But I don't think I always go along with what other people suggest. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Like you 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 have your own opinion and then you stated it. But that but I don't know if it's because of like we being Asians, sometimes we we think a lot about what other people might think, and then we kind of like you know be, become like overly polite. But then it's also like um we have to take in consideration of. Like who we're talking to and what in what situations we're in, because even if I am a people pleaser, I don't please everyone. Like you know, I choose who I please, and and in not not in every situation too. Like when it comes to work, like I I also state my opinion. I I wouldn't just go okay. I agree with you because I don't want to have any arguments or conflicts. It it really depends on the situation, but. I also recognize that sometimes I I am very like I could become like too polite, and that it becomes um awkward for me to interact with people because I I am too conscious of what they might think of me, especially when um when I'm in a situ- situation where I have to use English because you know Thai you can use ka like there's a word for you to oh I'm being Polite, but then when it's in English, like, yeah, I think in English you can just say like, "I see." <laughs> Does that sound polite? I don't know. It's some sort of responding to whatever they the other person is asking. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at the other explanations then. Wait, before we go to that, I'm a little bit curious because we we chose the same thing, but I I just want to know that. Do you have like the second choice or the other answer that you, that you hesitate? Maybe we we might be different in that because for me, like before choosing this, let the other person have the seat. I'm a little bit indecisive between choice number two and three, which is like hesitate and look around before doing anything. Actually, for this scenario, I kind of just went for number three, like right away. Yeah. Oh. Okay, but I I do get what you mean. For number two, hesitate and look around before doing anything. It does sound like something that most of us would do as well. Yeah. So, for this one, the explanation is that you always look at the big picture and consider the feelings of everyone involved before making a decision. You also care for others. For this one, so it's kind of like similar to the other one. Yeah, how do you understand this explanation? So I think option two and option three are similar in a way that it's about you consider considering 
the other um, other people's feeling and thoughts. But then for choice number two is that you kind of like think of other alternatives before jumping into like the final decision. You look into the big picture first and then you see how many options you have and how that might affect what other people would feel. Just like uh, how you step back and look if there's any other people wanting the seat and then you decide if you want to take that seat or you want to just stand there and endure the standing throughout the, the, the whole journey. Let's take a look at option one then. Take the seat, of course. So for those who choose take a seat, it means that you know what you want and just as important, what you don't want. So for this type of people, they know exactly in mind what they want and what they don't want, right? Yeah, and they stand up for it. Or can we also say this type of people are also very uh, quite straightforward because they know what they want right away. Maybe they would consider themselves most of the time. So sometimes maybe they may hurt a few feelings for others, but they will not hurt their own feelings. You get what I mean here? Because they consider themselves first, so it's like they protect themselves first. It doesn't mean that you you may hurt others intentionally, but because by doing that, sometimes, according to different situation, of course, the other person may think that you're not considerate enough. Yeah, but sometimes I'm I'm also like a little bit jealous of these kind of people because you know, um, they know what they want, and you know sometimes like you have to love yourself but it's a matter of balance because like you said this could have some downside where you might unintentionally hurt others so you just need to balance and I'm working towards that you know balancing between like standing up for myself and you know pleasing others you know this is a very interesting topic for me like like how to balance pleasing others and standing up for yourself. I think this is also one of the life lessons for all of us. So let's just try this one last test. For this one, it's about an extreme activity. Okay, so the scenario is every day people pay good money for the privilege of stepping out the door of a moving plane and plunging to earth. Skydiving isn't for everyone. But the statistics tell us it's actually a low-risk venture, considerably safer than, say, trying to cross against the light in Manhattan traffic. But even knowing that, we have a hard time finding a rational explanation for the act. Some say it's the adrenaline, but for veteran enthusiasts, that purely physical rush has worn off after the first few jumps. The thing that really keeps calling them back is those brief few minutes of perfect clarity as the natural world lies spread out in miniature beneath their feet. So basically, this means you're in the middle of jumping out of a plane with your parachute. So what do you see? Okay, first option, a field of grass 
and flowers. Second, a craggy, rocky landscape. Third, wild animals waiting with open jaws. Fourth, a flowing river. Um. Well, first of all, I don't think I would ever go skydiving at all. I think this is where we become a little bit different because I think you're more into extreme sports and activities more than I do. But I'm trying to imagine <laughs> if I have to choose one, I would go with a field of grass and flowers. You know, at least some beautiful things for me to look while I'm freaking out in the sky. Yeah. You know what? Don't tell me we're the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again. Come on. Like, I I was hoping to have some differences so that we can really represent different personalities. This is so. Surprising to me, and with this answer, because I have looked into the answer already, and with you choosing this answer, I think I might have a wrong perception of you. Really, I'm a little bit curious now. <laughs> yeah, the meaning for a field of grass and flowers. Okay, so this scenario means the fall doesn't kill you, just the landing, and the image of the landing that awaits you. Shows your general attitude and expectations about what the world holds in store for you. So the scene you selected reveals your level of optimism or pessimism toward life. Before I explain the answer to you, do you see yourself as more of an optimistic person or pessimistic person? I'm optimistic when it comes to people around me and the situation around me, but when it comes to myself. Like you know me thinking about myself, like I'm a pessimist. You know I think of the worst scenario when it has to, when it's something that has to do like with me, but when it's something re- relating to others, I always think of like you know, uh, something in a positive way. Okay, because I have to say, okay, let me just explain this answer first. Okay, because I chose this one too, and I think you will. Agree with me choosing this option. I think so. If you choose a field of grass and flowers, it means that you are the internal optimist. You can probably smell the flowers from eight thousand feet, and were pleased to know that the grass was growing, especially thick, to cushion your fall. And at this altitude, life is beautiful. So basically, this. Means people who choose this answer, it's a very optimistic person. Well, I mean, I can I can guess that this choice might mean that people choosing this would be like an optimist. But when it comes to me choosing this, like I, I don't have a very beautiful perception about life. At all, and I'm not 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 at all. I mean, I I do think that life is beautiful, but but not all the time, you know. Like I mean, I I am an optimist when it comes to other people, and sometimes when it comes to myself, okay, I'm I'm not always pessimist, but I'm not like eternal optimist. But then looking at the choice, I mean, I mean, there's no other choice for me to choose. Like, I mean, I think obviously, like many people would go with number one because. I mean, who would want to land 
in the middle of you know wild animals with a rocky landscape yeah and and why would you want to land in the river that doesn't make any sense at all so i feel like this is something that you know let's take a look at the meaning of each one then Maybe other listeners will resonate to this one. So let's take a look at number two: a craggy, rocky landscape. This means that this type of people, things already happen. What can they do? It already happened. For number three, is that they don't really care if things turn out good or bad. They're just into like being amused and excited about the situation. Even if you die, but then they're happy with it. So for number three, just a reminder: it's Wild animals waiting with open jaws, and how about the last one, a flowing river? So they say that you are neither pessimist nor optimist, but take things as they come and deal with problems as they arise. So those people would be the type of people who go with the flow. I think they don't even think that oh, is this good or this is bad? What kind of situation they are in? They just go with the flow. If there's problem. They will solve it along the way. Always like whatever happens, happens. Kesera mm. sera. Wait, but doesn't that sound like number one? Because the way I understand optimist, it's also like that. Like, whatever happen happens. You just you know. No, I think optimist is that they always think of thing in the best way possible. It's not like oh whatever happens happens. But then but then if if they have to imagine of of a scenario, they would just. Think of the best scenario, and they would expect things to go that way. Ah, okay, okay, yes, you're right. You know, taking this test with friends is definitely one of the good activity. I would say if we want to understand different personality, but it's such a pity that both of us we choose almost the same answers, and we can't really discuss more into it. Well, the psychology tests are always interesting, and it's probably one of the best methods for us to discover the hidden part of ourselves. There are various tests available online nowadays. As for psychology, like the writers and producers said in the book that they designed these fun psychology games to generate conversation and promote understanding, and to help develop and deepen personal relationships, which I think. You will also agree, right? Name by how we discuss throughout this whole process. I think I get to know more about myself and understand a bit more about you as well. It definitely surprises me that we chose so many similar questions. Yeah. So if you find some of the questions we tried today interesting, you can also search for this book, Psychology One or Psychology Two. It's spelled as K O K O L O G Y. We will also leave the information of this book in our episode description. So if you are interested, go check this out. Also, feel free to follow me, Goody, on Instagram at m a g o o d y t h for more updates on our show and activities. Share your questions or ideas with us, or share. Some of your psychological tests, if you have, share them with us. We'll try them out as well, and hope you'll join us again next Thursday. Until then, have a great day.